Okay, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of the Web3 Native Podcast. And today we have Seb from Zapper, one of my favorite products uh, in crypto. So welcome, Seb. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I can see we're really in a chill mood right now, you know, outside and, you know, rocking the, the cab. I, I really love the the kind of uh, sporty look that we have as opposed to, to all that previous podcasts. It was all really serious and like in the room. <laughs> yeah, I feel we're chilling yeah, I mean, outside. It's uh, DeFi versus uh, traditional finance. It's also, uh, I'm based in Montreal. It, it's pretty warm right now, so uh, kind of have to dress for the weather. Yeah, yeah. As you say, we tailor it according to whatever the situation suits us, right? Yep. So let's jump right into it. So I, I left to start with like a quote that uh, actually we see on Zapper's platform, which is DeFi is complicated, right? But it doesn't have to be. So in that context, would you like to start off with a quick intro of what Zapper is? Yeah, absolutely. So Zapper is a dashboard that allows uh, people to easily track their portfolio in DeFi. Uh, they can also easily do investments in various DeFi opportunities from ranging from a bunch of like, I'd say like the general actions you can do in DeFi. So lending, adding liquidity to pools, yield farming, also swapping. So it's really like this hub where you can do most of what is possible in DeFi without having to leave to use any different interfaces. Uh, we also are we also support a bunch of different chains. So uh, most of our focus has been on Ethereum, but we're also we have support for Polygon. Uh, we have support for Phantom. We have support for Binance Smart Chain. Uh, so you know we try to be as you know agnostic in terms of the uh, protocols or chains we uh, we support, um, and you know try to capture DeFi activity there. Awesome. There's so much to dive into because there's there's so many aspects of uh, Zapper that make it a one-stop shop, right? But before we go there, should we just kind of like take a step back and start from the beginning? You know, how did uh, Zapper start? Because before this, I understand actually it was kind of two different companies and it merged together and, you know, there was some, some shuffling going on. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting story because I... I never had the intent initially to like start a, you know, a company or a DeFi, a DeFi product. So um, I was always really passionate about, uh, you know, finance, but I studied in finance, but traditional finance was really never my thing. I decided to learn how to code. And it was kind of later in, you know, in 2017 that I really uh, caught interest with Ethereum and, you know, started to, um, to, I actually realized that finance and code could actually live together because to me they were these two separate things that really had nothing to do with each other. Uh, and so to me to be able to apply creativity to finance was really interesting. And so 2019 started to you know participate in uh, a bunch of, of DeFi communities. Uh, they were really small at that time, so like Synthetics had a few you know a few members in there. Uh, you know, it, it feels like it was like a small village. Everyone kind of knew each other by name almost. Uh, and um, 
what was interesting with synthetics is that they uh a lot of their incentives uh so they were really like the og yield farming uh yield farmers because one of their incentives was to actually uh create more synths so um basically you could take one of their synthetic assets and pool it on uniswap and uh, then be able to earn more SNX, uh, which was which is their you know native token, and so the first use case for Zapper at that time was called DeFi Snap, was really just to be able to track Uniswap and synthetics in one dashboard, um, and so one day I think it was like a year and a half ago, feels like five years ago, um, I just posted the link in the synthetics Discord and got a decent amount of traction from there. You know, people were like, oh, could you add Aave? Could you add Compound? And it kind of never stopped. And through there, uh, I met uh, Nodar and Suhail, which uh, were building DeFi's app at the time. And so if you look at the state of our two products, right, I was building DeFi Snap, which was really just tracking your assets. No transactional side to it at all. And Nodar and Suhail were building DeFi's app, which was, you know, a way for you to enter pools in one transaction, right? You could go from ETH to the ETH, synthetic ETH pool uh, without having to, you know, have the correct proportion of the two assets. And yeah, we started talking and eventually to me, it became very clear that um, both products were very aligned, right? Because uh, DeFi Snap was making DeFi easy to track and DeFi's app was making it easy to use, like on a transactional side. So we wanted to consolidate both the read and write functions of DeFi in one place. And so uh, in April, we decided to merge. Uh, so DeFi Snap plus DeFi's app, and we rebranded to Zapper and launched it on May 1st. And initially it didn't have a lot of traction but uh, as uh, as some of you are well aware, uh, in June, when Comp uh, was launched, that's what kicked really the yield farming craze, so the DeFi summer. And uh, Zapper was uniquely positioned to uh, kind of capture yield farming activity because when you do yield farming, what you do is you go into a pool and you stake that pool token to earn tokens. And that was something we captured. Uh, so we did everything from tracking your yield farming to actually doing the investment itself. So we were able to, to grow a lot from that. Uh, and uh, we, yeah, we raised the seed round in August, uh, reached 1 billion in transaction volume in, uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, today we uh, raised our Series A, 15 million with Longhash participating. And we've also reached $4 billion in transaction volume. So uh, a bit long-winded answer, but that, yeah, that's a, a summary of how we started where we are right now. No worries. Yeah, it's it's amazing, right, to come to where we are right now, how far we've come. And, uh, you know, it's also fascinating to hear about kind of like the first uh, informal M&A uh, in crypto from the early days, right? I'm just a bit curious. This is a bit of a side question, but you know, how did you, how did you decide on like Zapper as as the name then, right? Like, you know, was it like they were the dominant force, or like you know, because somebody had to compromise which name to take? Yeah, uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I know that personally, I didn't like the name DeFi Snap, um, 
and I really liked DeFi Zap. Uh, like just the Zap part, I thought it was cool. It had mm. a nice brand to it, and even like people were using the term Zap a lot. So, mm. I think it was just really DeFi Zap had a stronger brand, and it was already. I mean, both were fairly well known when we launched, um, but for us, it was like, you know, what, you know, what feels like uh, the better brand, and we just went for Z the Zap part, and instead of having DeFi next to Zap to it, uh, we just called it yeah. Zapper. I don't remember why, but I think we wanted to remove the DeFi part uh, because everyone was using DeFi in their name, and we kind of wanted to be unique. And have like mm. a, you know, I Ave or Compound or Synthetics, and not be DeFi something, right? So, mm. for us, it was important to kind of have that unique name. Yes, it it is it is really catchy, right? Like uh, Zapper has a certain zing to it, and I couldn't imagine if yep. other protocols are called like DeFi Ave or DeFi Compound. Yeah, no, exactly, and it's funny because uh, I think it was DeFi yeah. Dad. Uh, actually, I was uh, listening to a podcast on branding, and he said. Uh, the the person in the podcast podcast said that often like the the brands that stick the most uh, from a study I don't remember exactly were brands that start with a Z and have like a double a consonant in their in their name like you know and for us it's well Z and there's you know uh, the two P's so Zapper uh, so kind of funny we kind of like just stumble on that but yeah it, it is very catchy yes well here we are. So now, now that everybody thinks of like Zaps as probably like the core feature of Zapper, right? Where you can, you know, easily enter into pools, uh, yield farm, lend out, uh, claim, uh, all of it is kind of like with one transaction, so to speak, right? So would you like to kind of just walk us through uh, each of the products, you know, starting from maybe like the dashboard, exchange, the pool, the farm, the bridge, there's so many aspects to it. Like, why did we choose to build uh, these specific uh, products and maybe kind of like priorities or sequencing? Yep, um, it's a really good question. And for some people from the outside, sometimes it might seem a bit like random in terms of the features we add, but it's it's very calculated in the sense that we look at what's the general activity in DeFi, what people are actually doing, and we try to build something for them to make it easier to actually do. because. Uh, so the number one product that everyone uses on Zapper is tracking their portfolio. Um, that's really the number one use case for people using Zapper. And then after that, there's like this, I guess this life cycle of people using Zapper, they start tracking their portfolio and then, you know, they'll do exchange, they'll add liquidity, or maybe they'll, they'll bridge. But if we look at the different products, yeah, number one tracking portfolio. After that, our exchange, started being like the second most feature use feature then we have the pools uh and lastly we have the the farming so we also have bridge that's used i don't know like if it's used more than farming i guess i'll have to check the numbers but uh initially zapper was really just the pools and tracking your portfolio but uh, we saw that exchange quickly uh it, i mean it's a core you know element of DeFi. people something do more often than add liquidity to pools uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's the second most used uh, feature on Zapper. And mm -hmm. uh, one that will be coming very soon is lending. Uh, so it's been probably one of the most requested features. Uh, it's also uh, 
probably, uh, and you can weigh on, weigh in on this, probably the most relatable thing uh, for people entering the space, right? Everyone knows mm -hmm. what lending is. Not everyone knows what adding liquidity to a pool is and what that, you know, what's the you know impact of that. And so for us, it's important to add that because it's usually the first thing that someone does in DeFi. Like uh, before I used synthetics, when I entered DeFi, like the first thing I used was Compound and it was just like, I don't remember if it was DAI or USDC or maybe ETH that I loaned. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the way we see the product. Yeah, yeah, I love that because they're so so often, right, in DeFi or in crypto, people just kind of think an idea is cool and you just want to build it because like, hey, it wouldn't be cool if we could do this, right? What I'm hearing from yeah. you is that, you know, these are what people want to use and this is what people are yeah. doing already the most and we're just making it so much easier for them to do it. And this kind of like listening to the users and iterating and expanding based on that. I wonder whether for the cross-chain as well, uh, we kind of hold, hold a similar philosophy, right? Because I see, of course, now Zapper covers, you know, uh, BSC, right? Polygon, Optimism, Phantom. I, I thought like there was a little bit of a, a curveball, you know, like how come there's this Phantom in there, you know, compared to the usage uh, and, you know, say Optimism uh, versus Zero Knowledge and things like that. How did you pick these then? It was really, uh, I mean, if uh, our users ask or community asks, we'll we'll do it. And we had a lot of demand uh, for Phantom, and so we added it. Also, like we uh, back in March, uh, we spent like I think a month or two rebuilding Zapper uh, from the ground up to be EVM agnostic. So we changed all the infrastructure on the back to make it easy for us to add new chains. So Phantom was probably like a weekend. Uh, a side project on the weekend that we did to add it. So um, it, it it is much easier for us to add new chains uh, if they're EVM compatible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so focusing on the EVM compatible kind of architecture, sounds like uh, basically yep. we also, not only we build like with you know user feedback, but also with the kind of mindset that we want to build something that is then easily scalable across different protocols, uh, different blockchains, and from there scale up much faster yeah exactly um yeah like eventually what we see is that you know you add a chain on zapper and it makes the pools for that chain available tokens for you know exchanging on that change available you know farming kind of all these things auto populate we're still not there yet but we're getting there we have the first part which is we add a new chain and you know you're able to exchange pretty quickly but uh there's still things on our side you know, rough around the edges to kind of automate that process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I guess the the next thing to kind of sequentially across what you're building as well, uh, as we have so many more DeFi, like initially when we started off, you know, it was just like, yeah, synthetics and then, you know, you had Maker and Compound and like things were easier back then, right? Only a few products and you just need to know these and you're good to go. Nowadays, there are like so many more farms and so many exchanges. Uh, so I guess that's, partially why um, there's now a learn zapper as well, right? Where you know, basic concepts need to be explained and even like an alpha leak feature for new projects. So is, you know, where are we headed with uh, learn? Why did, did we start it for education? Does, does it work as curation, education, and where to go from here? Yeah, the number one focus of zapper learn is really education. And I was talking about designers and a topic of debate 
is how much do you actually abstract DeFi, right? Or crypto in general. And most designers have landed on, you have to abstract it as much as possible. You almost have to hide away that you're using DeFi. And you've seen products like Dharma. There were a few like that you would just put in money and the money would just like increase. Um, and I was always against that. And I'll explain why. Um, for us, if we're talking about DeFi and we're talking about what we want to see in the world in the future, I actually prefer to see a world where people are more financially literate. And the it, it's no wonder that traditionally uh, people aren't interested in finances because we haven't been investing in education uh, in financial education for the past 50, 60 years plus. So it's no wonder that today, you know, people are like, oh, I'll just have someone trust my money and I'll just, you know, wait in 40 years and retire. Uh, we're seeing a trend right now that actually mm. people are much more interested in finance than what you imagine, just like GameStop and even just the meme coins, right? It's just showing a, a trend of people interest, getting themselves interested. And obviously, you know, people are going to make mistakes, but I much rather, you know, have a future where people are actually taking an active part in their, you know, finance than, than not. Because if you have a world where, you know, you have people investing money and maybe it's defined the back, right? They don't know. Well, you're kind of reproducing the trust, centralized trust institutions of, of the past. So you're kind of rebuilding uh, traditional finance. And, and to me, DeFi has always been about increasing the bandwidth of communication for like, for basically how humans, you know, communicate value. Like to me, finance at its core is how we communicate value. Um, and just like the, you know, internet help people uh, broadcast uh, themselves, uh, you know, through podcasts, you know, through YouTube channels. I think DeFi is going to do the same through finance. It increases their bandwidth in terms of how they can communicate value to the world, broadcast value to the world. And the same reason, you know, someone in another country can, you know, uh, lend money in Compound or Aave and do all the complicated stuff in DeFi too. Uh, so for us, that's really important to, to take part in that and actually, you know, build the future we want to see in the future and not abstract away. And also kind of something coming with the abstraction uh, kind of debate is that uh, people will always ask questions as to where the money is coming from. And if you don't explain it, you're kind of going back at explaining how crypto works, right? Uh, like you, if I look at Dharma or the other products that were doing that in the past, by, by the way, they're not doing that anymore. They kind of learned a lot from that. Um, but um, um, what they noticed is that users actually were asking questions and were curious about how Dharma was making money, so uh, how their money was increasing. And so it kind of ended up teaching them about DeFi anyway. And so, mm. no, I, I mean, it's important to be transparent and explain. And as I said, yeah, build the future you want to see, not not just, uh, you know, take the short term, easy step way of abstracting it. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate so much with that, right? Because to me, it's about, yeah, crypto is about transparency and taking back control and, and power. Uh, and that involves taking responsibility of like taking care of your assets, holding your keys, verifying things and like learning about how things work rather than just kind of like <laughs> purely aping into stuff. And 
a lot of it is also in parallel actually with the whole internet part of democratizing as well, right? Because uh, previously we were just basically consuming a lot of information from, I guess, you know, print yep. press and so on. But internet made it such that everybody can blog, everybody can like set up social media and tweet. Uh, and now with, with crypto and DeFi, everybody can, well, essentially be our own bank, right? Uh, but yep. of course, that's that's so hard. That's so hard. I mean, it's it's so much more complicated than expressing ideas. And I guess it, in a way, the consequences are also much greater, right? I mean, you could get scammed. You could people put their life savings in. So how do we kind of strike that balance, right? Between, you know, giving just people freedom versus kind of like doing so in a responsible way uh, that, you know, they, they still not know what they're doing, right? But, I mean... It's yep. the best, like, for example, in the zaps, you can't explain every single zap and explain every single protocol and, and tell them what yep. to do. Uh, but we still want to give them the option to use it. So how do we strike the balance? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. And I mean, it's it's like, you know, if 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 you're a, a parent and you hide your child from all the risks in life possible, sometimes they come out unprepared for all these new new challenges. And I kind of see, you know, DeFi in the same way where people coming in, uh, if you gate them from all the risk possible, you're not, you know, we're anti-fragile systems, right? We can adapt, we can learn. And I think if we, you know, regulate DeFi too much or we uh, protect users from the risk too much, they're not, we're not building a, you know, we're not basically leveraging, you know, our anti-fragile system where we can actually learn from our, our mistakes. Uh, so I think DeFi is helping people. Like I made a ton of mistakes uh, that if in 2017, that if, you know, DeFi was very regulated or if, you know, maybe centralized, you know, exchanges with the best intentions just gated me from doing stuff, I probably wouldn't have learned this, these lessons and probably wouldn't be in the same place I am today. So. I think there is a balance. I think for some things, uh, it is important to protect people, but um, it's important not to like just box them and you know uh, protect them from all the risks possible because they exist. And you know, sometimes it is it is important for people to make mistakes. I think it's just like if you if you make a mistake and you lose all your life savings, that's that's very bad, right? Um, so, I mean, there is a balance to, to strike. If it's a thousand dollars when you're 24, you know, I would, you know, gladly take that lesson and learn from that. It's, you know, it's not going to change my life. Uh, for some people it actually might, but yeah, I, I, it's tough. I think you, you, you just don't have to like isolate people from all the dangers, uh, in finance because it's not going to help long-term. Yeah. And, uh, indeed, yeah, this, this has been kind of debate. This is the kind of the D debate of our, I yep. guess, zeitgeist, right? With like GameStop and all that kind of, don't tell me what to invest in. Don't tell me about the fundamentals. I put in money where I want to put and I put in however much I want to uh, put in. And in a way, it, it is also a call uh, for freedom. So very much kind of yep. uh, in the whole values of, of crypto. Uh, although at the same time, uh, while we are trying to say, you know, parallels with Web2, uh, there's a whole, I mean, maybe, a, a, I don't know what a trap or parallel to be drawn between like Web2 needing to kind of like suck engagement, right? Because yep. uh, often the business models are not there and you kind of need to, you don't pay and therefore they monetize your attention and your time. Uh, and I mean, 
at the risk of drawing some parallels to Zapper, right? Like, uh, firstly, you know, currently we don't have a business model yet, uh, which I'm sure we're trying to think of something. Uh, and secondly, but at the same time, we are incentivizing engagement uh, with the, yep. the recent leveling up, right? Giving people uh, the option to kind of log in and claim every day and uh, exchange and pool and, and earn kind of uh, incentives from that. But there's no kind of like guidance of, you know, where should they direct this to? Uh, nor is there kind of a, like you said, there's no, we're not acting that as a role of parental thing to guide them to like mm -hmm. how much you should use or how much you should put in. So how, how do you think about, you know, this uh, monetization and, and like engagement? Where is it going? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So probably one of the questions we get asked the most often is like, how does Zapper make money? And uh, yeah, I mean, to be clear, we don't make money yet. Uh, and I'll explain right why. Um, so we're a very, very young uh, project, not like a year and a few months. And so for us, uh, the number one thing is building the best product possible for, you know, our users in our community. And to me, it's much harder to build a great product than finding a business model. And I think often uh, people will be focused too much on figuring out a business model quickly. And sometimes it comes at either the expense of the users, the community, or the company, right? Uh, or the DeFi mm -hmm. protocol. So uh, for us, yeah, really focused on growth. And um, we're trying to find like these, maybe we're trying too much, but we're trying to find creative models, right? That benefit uh, everyone. Uh, like Web2 brought new business models with advertisement. Obviously, we won't go that route. Uh, we never want to have advertisement on Zapper. But we're trying to find, like, what are these native Web3 models or stuff we can do in DeFi, right? We have this whole system, financial system that, you know, just having, like, sitting cash idle, you're making money, you're making revenue. So are there things we can do that benefit everyone? So, you know, like urine, right, there's a performance fee on the vaults. So we're, we're just like looking at different ideas, but most likely would gear something to like uh, a solution or a business model that's DeFi native, like most of the protocols. I think the future is there. That's where you can also align the incentives between the builders and the community. Um, so most likely that's the route we go. In terms of when, it's hard to say, uh, probably sometime in the next year. Uh, and to your other question in terms of engagement, um, so last week we launched our gamification feature where you can earn levels, uh, by performing various tasks on Zapper. And, um, I mean, for us, this is really just an onboarding feature. It's to make it easier for people coming into Zapper. Uh, cause right now, if you look at the barriers to entry in DeFi, um, often the, you know, someone's likeliness to enter, you know, uh, DeFi will be related to their willingness to learn. And if it's too complicated and it far exceeds their willingness to learn, they won't enter. And we're seeing a lot of people have, like with that friction point. And so if we can come in and just make it more fun, by default, we're going to make it more accessible because, oh, okay, well, I can earn quests and I can mint some NFTs. And so just making that whole process, you know, more accessible, more fun, uh, for people coming in, um, I think too, like the, uh, you know, finance doesn't have to have to be this boring. Like we can actually rewrite finance to be whatever we want it to be. 
And to me, it can be some be something fun because fun is relatable. It doesn't have to be like this, you know, brown suit, brown socks thing. Uh, you know, that's very boring uh, and square. Yeah. Uh, actually, like I am, I've been writing like this article on like the relationship between, you know, trust and fun in traditional finance and why almost banks try to seem as unfun as possible, right? And it's really because of trust. Um, uh -huh. And, uh, you know, basically just summarizing it, right? DeFi, the trust element, is handled by, you know, the, the base layer, Ethereum. And so a lot of DeFi projects uh, are able to not focus that much on trust because it's all handled, like the custody is Ethereum, basically. Um, so we're seeing a lot of, of projects kind of, uh, you know, try different things. Uh, in terms of making their application more fun and engaging. Um, but yeah, I mean, traditionally, you had to look very corporate, very safe, you know. Um, but if you look at the technology in the back, I, I wouldn't say it's particularly the, the safest thing possible, but it's really a game of appearances, right? Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, really for us, just making uh, the onboarding education more accessible and fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like to joke about how uh, funny it is that, you know, some of the leading protocols, there's a ghost with Aave, there's like a unicorn yep. with Uniswap, there's Sushi, <laughs> this meme that came out, and like with Zapper, it's like this whole lightning thing, and it's all like bright colors, this bright purple, right? It's, it's such a departure from supposedly older generation. You're like, what are you buying? I'm, I'm buying these Sushi tokens, I'm buying this unicorn socks, and... <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think too, like uh, the younger generations, are like I've been very disillusioned by traditional finance. Um, so we're kind of going at the other end of the spectrum because people are, people don't want finance to be this, you know, boring thing. They're actually actively looking for something that kind of sets itself apart. Mm -hmm. That almost kind of. Uh... Uh, defines the the target user segment, right? Like because when we're talking yep. about you know younger generation uh, fun, self learning, uh, curiosity, it's almost kind of like we're self selecting for for groups that are, you know, they want to learn and take control of of their kind of finances. Yep. Is what I'm really hearing from you. Uh, does this kind of mean that you know we are not going consciously not going after like institutions and companies and traditional finance? Right? Are, are we kind of Distancing ourselves in a way? Yep. I mean, yeah, to me, the institution part of DeFi is not the most important part of DeFi. Uh, like I see a lot of people, or institutions are coming to DeFi and I, I couldn't care less because to me, DeFi has never been about institutions coming. It's been about, you know, empowering individuals and allowing people mm -hmm. to broadcast themselves financially. And the trend show doesn't show that it's an institution game. It shows that it's actually people trying to participate, uh, you know, like you and me. And that's the trend at Zapper we want to focus on. Now, I'm not saying that institutions won't be in DeFi. There are, are some uh, institutions coming into DeFi. They will come for sure. But to me, that's, that's not uh, the larger trend uh, that's going to make DeFi important in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I think that's a that's a good segue to then relating to what we're going to build to attract these people, right? So we know about some of the priorities coming up, uh, namely, well, there's the mobile app. Uh, I'm sure there are like new features. I'm sure there are new protocols that are going to come up. What among these 
most excite you or like, are your highest priority right now? Yeah, so there's uh, a few different uh, big priorities we're focusing on. So um, we have the mobile app, uh, we have the app store, um, and um, yeah, the other thing I totally forgot. Yeah, we have lending, <laughs> lending coming out as well. Uh, mm. And first of all, I mean, the app is going to be this really, I mean, zapper in a pocket type uh, experience. And there's not that much to add to it uh, in the sense that it's going to be, uh, you know, everything that you can do on Zapper, you'll be able to do it from our, our apps. And then a big thing we're working on is our app store. And so for us uh, at Zapper, one of the most, uh, I'd say, time-consuming thing is building protocol integrations. And the app store is simple. It's allowing builders to build on top of Zapper you know, their own protocol integration. So someone from SushiSwap could build the SushiSwap integration on top of Zapper. Um, and for us, it's really about opening, opening it up to the community um, and um, yeah, kind of building this ecosystem of developers. Because uh, we know long-term, like it's, we won't be able to build all the protocol integrations uh, like we're experiencing like an internet type explosion of websites or like a protocols. And so for us to try to integrate all of them is, you know, uh, not the best investment uh, long term. Short term, it is a good investment. It's good to do things that don't scale sometimes. But long term, we're gearing towards this app store where also as a user, right, you could go to Zapper, explore the app store and, you know, be able to discover from a list of, you know, community submitted apps the ones you want to enable to your, your dashboard. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a dashboard is kind of like a, a, a personal uh, experience. Like, people will have their own use cases for DeFi, and mm -hmm. it's important to be able to tailor that use case. Um, like, the, the, the analogy uh, we often make is, like, comparing it to your Shopify e-commerce website. Uh, you're able to browse through their apps, yeah, through their app store and extend kind of like your shop to fit, you know, your specific needs for your store. And so for, for Zapper, it's kind of a similar fashion, but, you know, for, for DeFi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this is such a kind of, yeah, this idea of this app store and, well, broadly, more broadly, decentralizing the value creation of uh, this platform is, I think, so much in the spirit of DeFi, right? Where like, you know, when you were saying how it doesn't make sense for you to build everything, well, technically, like, that's what uh, VCs are funding so many uh, startups to do, right? Like, they're funding them to build the super apps. If you don't have enough, if you can't do it, here, throw money at you, hire more people, build all these features, make it so much stickier. But uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing here, what we're trying to do is then, why not let everybody, like, be a part of this movement and like, kind of take control and take the take out responsibility of actually building these apps in, in the app stores. Of course, then the parallel to then the whole Web2 thing is then, yeah, then, for example, uh, how Apple curates its uh, app store and yep. takes a cut or like game platforms like Steam and like they benefit disproportionately uh, it, to a certain extent. Like this could be where Zapper captures value, uh, but at the same time, yep. It, it also is a point where maybe we want to actively give away the power and decentralize uh, Zapper, right? So do you think this is where we'll be heading? Like how much control are we giving away of Zapper by allowing this app store to happen? Yep. So without going too precisely on the subject, um, 
like the way we approach the app store is you could kind of see it one or it's the more centralized right uh you know apple type or shopify type experience and the one is the most decentralized and end of day for us the the best solution is the one that leverages the most network effects um and so we're we're actively looking at the decentralized route um into seeing you know how could we build this self-sustaining network of developers and apps on the app store and also it's important to you know the there's the whole process of creation that you mentioned right app apple has you know dictatorial power on the apps that go on the app store mm-hmm. um but for DeFi, right uh, there's the decentralized element. So if Zapper has, you know, dictatorial power on the apps that go on, you know, on the app store, we're kind of all rebuilding, you know, traditional Web2 systems. Uh, so we are, uh, you know, uh, trying to find out different, you know, community creation uh, systems. You know, the graph has something, you know, to create the, the subgraphs. And so there, there's a lot already that, you know, we can... Um, uh, take from from DeFi and you know incentives that have been built, but for us, uh, going the decentralized route has always uh, been about improving the product. Um, so if we actually go to you know a DAO or a token in the future, for us it has to actually make accelerate towards the mission of you know making DeFi accessible and easy to use, and not come at the expense of our mission, right? Uh, a lot of tokens and DAOs out, out there will have the token as almost a product, but it's not interfacing well with you know their own mission or their own product. Uh, it actually takes a lot of focus away from the product, and you know often these tokens or DAOs will will, will die off. Uh, so for us, it's important to have the right system and make sure it actually makes the product better. Uh, and I think more teams should be thinking about the token. Uh, not just as a fundraising mechanism, because most teams are just thinking about it through that lens and be like, oh, we'll figure it out later, right? Which is fine, but you have to, best case scenario is it actually fits into your product as a core element and actually leverages network effects. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, leverage the network effects, as you said. Uh, we actually wrote a piece about this, so the tokenomics blueprint. And the exactly the concept behind it is that a token should not be viewed as the fundraising mechanism. In fact, if it's only the fundraising mechanism, it is probably det- uh, uh, negative uh, overall for the whole project, uh, detrimental to it. And instead, we yep. should look at it as like mechanisms to coordinate value creation uh, and to distribute value capture. And in that sense, kind of like crowdsource the energy and effort and mind share of like so many more people and harness that kind of like open source energy and then reward people for it. Uh, Of course, the prerequisite to do this is, of course, to have a community. (laughs) And here, I think we'd like to just move to the community aspect of Zapper. Uh, I think a lot of people may not know because we're all on crypto Twitter and such. But then here with Asia DeFi Network, uh, we are looking a a lot in Asia. And Zapper actually has two full WeChat groups of like 500 or like (laughs) hundreds of people. And they're so active. I I must say, uh, truly, I'm I'm impressed that compared to actually many of the other uh, projects, it is actually a community and people are coming up with questions and like, for example, the recent uh, learn uh, 
features with like redeeming the NFTs and like you know, signing the transactions to get the EXP. Yep. Some people are having problems and they were answering it for each other and they're kind of like helping each other. I'm like, wow, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. So, um, you know, what is, how did we get here? What was the approach and was it, did we get lucky? Was it, which part of it was conscious or who, who can we thank? Yeah, it's, uh, I, it's like my first reflex is to say, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, honestly, it's really great to have a really passionate community. I think one element that probably play, played an important role is education. Um, because we've been investing a lot in education, we kind of build a strong relationship with our community. Uh, because like we were there from you know the day day one to you know today, and still helping them answering their questions. Uh, I think we also had like a strong. Uh, being always very strong on the support side, like a lot of DeFi projects that I entered or Discord when I was building DeFi Snap was like, you know, crickets asking questions and not getting answers. Uh, and so first it's really important. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very hard to pinpoint to like, I, we don't have a formula for it. Uh, I think in DeFi, as I said, we've kind of forgotten about supporting community and answering their questions quickly in an effective manner. And a lot of projects kind of like, oh, it's DeFi, you know, they'll figure it out on our own, but it's still important to keep the human element right and help people. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think too, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it just makes me really happy to hear that, you know, that we have a great community. Um, and, you know, if one day, uh, you know, without going too much into detail, we actually go to a DAO. It's really strong, important to have, like, you know, that strong, you know, root uh, of people participating without ever thinking uh, we would have a token in the future or a DAO. Uh, you know, they were there for the right reasons. They weren't rent-seeking. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's the important part of the community because, you know, when you just, right, you launch a token and then, yeah, community will quickly form, but the community will be based on the premise of the token. It's based solely around the token, not necessarily around the product or education, or, you know, even bonds formed with the builders in the community itself. And so it makes it very artificial so that when, you know, there's something bad that happens in the project, everyone will leave, right? So it's, it's really important to, uh, yeah, focus on building those strong roots. But as I said, you know, I don't have a formula. I probably can ask, uh, mm -hmm. Uh, Travis or Z were working a lot on their community and doing great work. Uh, you know, what's what's the secret? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, sometimes, you know, secrets are stumbled upon. Many of the greatest you know, discoveries and inventions were stumbled upon by accident. Uh, but, you know, to me, like to me, I have always had the opinion that, you know, while the core team always tries to decentralize control over the protocol and the curation and value creation, but one thing that is very difficult or maybe should not be decentralized, at least uh, in the beginning still, and, and for a sustained period of time, is shaping the culture of the community, right? As, as you said, right? What you're talking about, education, making it easier for users, listening to them. Uh, these are the values in, in essence of Zapper and uh, helping them achieve what they want to do easily, right? Essentially, these values kind of like shape the communities that form around the, the product. Uh, and I can see it in some of the projects that basically did not issue tokens at the beginning and like just allow the organic kind of uh, values and community to build around, you know, 
for a, a significant period of time uh, before any potential kind of like DAO or decentralization happens, yep. those tend to be a lot more powerful. It's kind of like you like, uh, built it up and then it kind of released the whole yep. uh, pressure uh, all, all at once. Yeah, no, to me, that's a good point. And those communities are kind of like sleeping giants, right? Because they're communities that form uh, with no premise of, you know, uh, you know, having a token go up because there is no token, there is no doubt. People that go there are actually there because they care about others in the community and they care about the product. And so when in the future there actually is that, you know, potential dower token, well, it is a sleeping giant. And then you realize, you know, the community comes in full force. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a critical critical element in a, in a DeFi project and often overlooked, like, you know, a lot of builders are, are fairly technical and they put aside the, the community building, but it is very important on the long term. It's it's harder to measure the impacts in the short term because you won't see them directly, but long term it it compounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's something that's so intangible that it's hard to kind of describe, right? Because I guess there's one question that I wanted to explore, which is then, uh, as an aggregation layer or an aggregation platform, one-stop shop, right? How do we build like the sustainable, um, I guess, moat, competitive advantage barrier? Because you could very easily switch over to other dashboards. And personally, I do too, right? Like I switch over, for example, to, to yep. Zeron when I want to check the history because there's a nice graph around like, you know, how much of the value goes up and down over time. Yep. Or I switch over to DBank to check out the rankings of the TVL because they have their own calculations. Uh, but I, I still use Zapper as my default dashboard. Uh, but, you know, maybe there, if we don't need to shut people off, out with votes. Uh, we kind of like attract people in with these uh, community engagement and, and the values. How do you think about this? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question because um, there was a, uh, a talk that, uh, it reminds me of a talk that Balji did uh, early, like 2011, 2012. And it was talking about the cost uh, of exit or exiting a product, exiting a country. And, you know, the best products tend to be in a space where the cost to exit is very low, right? Someone could easily leave Zapper and go to Zerion. And we have very little to kind of hold you in, right? And so sometimes products will artificially make it harder to leave. Um, but that's not necessarily, you know, uh, helping build the strongest products. And I think the moat is overrated in DeFi uh, because even if liquidity is a moat for Aave, right? Well, I mean, people can still withdraw and put it on compound. Uh, I think underlying all that, you know, all these numbers, these numbers are backed by the community, uh, you know, the reason why Aave has so much money is because they have a great product, they have a great community, and it's not just the liquidity in itself that's just, you know, creating this network effects. There's actually something underpinning that. And so to, to focus overly on the mode being like finding this formula, I don't think it's the best effort, right? Uh, you know, sometimes I think community becomes a mode in itself, like just look at SushiSwap and Uniswap, you know? Uh, even if you can argue, you know, parts of one or the other product are better, people will even not even use another product because it's like they're, it's like a sports theme almost. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I definitely think the moat is very overrated in DeFi. I think the best moats are th those that have this self-perpetual like wheel of like improving the product, like a good network effect. It's not like artificial lock-in. Um, like if you look at traditional finance or like fintech, there is a big cost to exit. And it's, you could kind of argue it's imposed by regulation, right? If I go to Coinbase, I have to go through KYC. I have to, you know, have some sort of activity that, you know, I increase my limits. So you're less likely to exit the product because you had to do all these things to kind of get in there. Um, so it's for you to exit to another product, it actually has to be much, much better to justify the cost of exiting. But in mm -hmm. DeFi, it's just as easy as, you know, disconnected, disconnecting and connecting your wallet elsewhere. So in the end, it's really good for the the DeFi user, right? Because it builds this very strong com competition that you know apps are facing, and like we we love the competition with Zerion and VBank because we kind of all make each 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 other better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to draw a parallel with some similar products, right? With the yield aggregators. I think initially we saw a lot of uh, products try to implement this exit fee, right? When you take out a pool, then you get like taken out a certain amount from your initial investments. And very quickly, people just kind of that fallen out of popularity. And instead, people are totally okay with you taking a performance fee. So there's, yeah. there's, there's like a con social consensus around kind of like building like a win-win situation. And like, yeah, if I win, you, know, you get a share of my whatever, whatever I get, right? And then rather than punishing you for like moving to my competitor or, or moving around to different parts. And I think that is one of, I guess, uh, the beautiful aspects of the Web3 community or the social consensus. Yep. That, yeah. We all try to make yeah, it better. And it's, uh, yeah. And I remember like initially when we were first, you know, raising money in Zapper last year, uh, one of the questions I was asked the most is like, what is your moat? And it was always kind of like, it almost kind of forced me to think about finding a formula or finding like this, doing like this chart and wheel effect is, oh, this is going to, you know, uh, builders are going to do this. That's going to build this like moat. And in the end, like I realized that this, this is like artificial, like building the best product possible is going to be our moat and focusing on, you know, what people want is going to be the moat. Um, and that's something I'd say like other founders out there is like, put your energy like on the right things. Uh, don't try to find a formula to, that's going to like build you a mode. Um, like just build something, you know, that people will love to use and that people will want, because if you figure that out, the moat will be much easier to find, but don't try to find a moat before you actually find the product that people want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like the answer emerges from, from like building and listening in an iterative yep. cycle. That's, that's amazing. Well, uh, I think we have a few minutes left, so maybe let's, let's zoom out a little bit further even, right? So rather than just on Zapper, you know, what are your views on then crypto in general or DeFi, right? Like where are we headed? Uh, you know, of course we have NFTs and Zapper is also in integrating NFTs, uh, and there are all these cross chains, scaling solutions, you know, uh, institutions coming in. There's so many narratives that are coming in, right? Uh, where, what are you paying attention to and what are you most excited about? Yeah. Um, like definitely most of my focus is on DeFi. Well, I'd say DeFi NFTs. Um, I think, 
uh, in the short, medium term, DeFi will be the biggest use case for for crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if I think about like the future, I think people will be very wrong on whatever their pred- predictions are on the future. Kind of always is, and it's yeah. often way more unexpected and weird than we actually think. Um, I still think right now we're like in the infancy stage of DeFi, where we'll, we're still looking at traditional finance and kind of porting it over to DeFi. We're still at like the horse carriage modeled, you know, first cars modeled after the horse carriage phase. You know, we're not building these really new type of products that can only live on DeFi. There are a few, but they're not, you know, most use cases have been just, you know, porting stuff over from traditional finance on DeFi. And I think long-term, DeFi is definitely going to be much weirder, um, definitely going to be much more unexpected. I think NFTs will play a big part in DeFi in the future uh, because NFTs could really be anything, anything of value. Uh, And to me, DeFi is just this, uh, you know, communication system for how we communicate value. Like I could definitely see a future where I use a Pokemon card to get a loan um, and so I think the lines will get blurred, uh, in the future, uh, just by making it more accessible. Right. If I think of, you know, right. Kids know how t- sometimes we'll trade complex financial derivatives without even noticing, like, they'll be like, oh, I'll buy, you know, this, uh, this Pokemon card in two weeks at this price, you know, things like that, that they're kind of comp, you know, trading a complex derivative that they would have no idea and most people don't have don't have you know any idea in traditional finance what what that is but i think that's the future we're kind of going to just making that communication that bandwidth simpler uh with things of value right uh you know we all have things you know like my my time is something of value that i can share with the world uh other things that i own are things of value that i can share with the world and i think we're slowly um going down this stack in terms of getting closer to like the source of what are these different things of value and being able to like uh you know interfacing with other people around the world um like when you think about it finance traditional finance is just abstractions upon abstractions of what at its core are you know oh you know this company can produce cars which is useful for this and you know that's really the the base uh and so i think we're getting closer to that because the bandwidth is much larger um but yeah kind of a long-winded answer but that's generally how i see so i can't (laughs) say to any specifics but definitely it's going to be much weirder and unexpected than we think Mm -hmm. it's getting weirder it's getting more fun uh all the DeFi and nft is going to blend together into one giant soup and hopefully we get closer uh to the value creation like you said to the actual car making uh, so that you know, we maybe disintermediate institutions even further, where it's it's really about yep. getting to the real value creation on the ground. Super yep. exciting! Thanks so much, Seb. Well, uh, I think uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Otherwise, we can we can wrap it up here. No, that that's it for me. All right. Well, right before we go, uh, do you want to just share you know what are channels where people can go to, like Zapper, Twitter, yourself, your own Twitter, anything? Yep. So, I mean, first of all, if you're not using Zapper, what are you doing? So you could head uh, to zapper.fi, able to track your portfolio, invest in a bunch of different DeFi opportunities uh, across multiple chains. 
um, you could head to our Discord. We're happy to help you if you have any questions. And also you can follow our Twitter account, which is Zapper underscore FI. All right. Thank you so much again, Seb. This is such a great conversation. I really loved it. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great to be here. Yes, and well, everyone, hope you enjoyed this episode of Web3 Native Podcast and see you next time.